0: The views and opinions expressed by Rob Black and his guests are not necessarily those of KDOW or its management owners or advertisers and should not be construed as legal tax or investment advice. Always consult with the appropriate advisor before making any investment or financial planning decision. Rob Black and your money. I'm Rob Black talking all things financial. Kind of another day, kind of another dollar, right? A lot going on. We've had three bad days on the market. Do we go for four? It's all tied towards the information flow right now, tied towards that phase one trade deal negotiations between the United States and China. Um, very much so f- absurd. The way I, I can't talk about it every single day, and yet I talk about it every single day. She loves me, she loves me not. She loves me, she loves me not. Prevailing sense is are we close or not? It could get worked out, but December 15th is tick, 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 ticking close. That's a pretty big date looming, right? Trump told reporters today that at a NATO meeting that talks with China are going very well. Keep in mind he just canceled his last press conference of the day. Because things aren't going so terribly well with the other countries and how they're playing with their NATO conversations. Oh, boy, right? The ADP employment report, probably, no, I'm not going to say the most important report. But these Thursday and Friday reports, especially at the start of the month, tend to give us kind of a feeling of where we stand on our economy based on jobs. Very few people work and say, ah, I'm going to save 100% of my paycheck. So when you work and you get a paycheck, you tend to spend it. And that's why the ADP report is so important, and the first-time unemployment claims, and the uh, job reports that come out on the first Friday of the month. The ADP report's not so great. It showed 67,000 positions were added to the private sector payrolls, so weaker than expected, and I guess if you're a doorknob, you're losing some of your shine? What's that even mean? The jobs numbers are losing a little bit of shine. Not a lot, but that's a weakening for sure. Is it a one-time, one-off? Could it have been tied towards a holiday or storm? It could have been. Interesting news, Alphabet CEO Larry Page and President Sergey Brin are reigning in their management efforts. They announced in a letter released yesterday that they're stepping aside from their roles. They will remain as board members. They're going to continue to hold their influential voting power. But basically saying, here, Sundar Pichai, you can now be the CEO of Alphabet. And Google, you're the king of the castle. Close the castle on your way out. So Google's seen up on that news not considered negative. A lot of what Sergio Brin and Larry Page have done at times have been moonshots and Wall Street goes okay well, we see that you want to like have people live longer we see that you want to get satellites or balloons or we see you want the self-driving cars. You never want it to be to the point where you're thinking that Larry Page and Sergio Brin are just using the company as fun money. I don't think that's the case. I think they're going to be remembered in history as pretty amazing CEOs and Stanford students who did well with Google. So, OPEC is in the news yet again, which is kind of nice. It's kind of nice shaking off a little bit of the Trump-China conversations. OPEC and its allies are talking in favor of making additional production cuts as a positive development to firm the price of oil. Oil sitting at seven dollars a barrel. Oil hasn't been a big story on the show for over a year, at least. Oil's very, very interesting. I've seen it as low as fifteen dollars a barrel in my lifetime of investments, and I've seen it one hundred and fifty dollars a barrel. That's a pretty wide range historic I'm not going to say historically, but I think the norm or something that we're pretty comfortable with is oil in the 40 to $60 barrel range. When it's a little bit cheaper, we feel like, ooh, that's a relief. And then when it's a little bit more expensive, we go, uh-oh, that's getting inflationary. It's going to bite into the wallet, whether it be gasoline or airline fares, whether it be factories firing up production in the smokestacks bump in oil prices could give a bump to energy sector stocks. Okay. I'm good with all this. 800-516-1220 to get your calls on the air. Again, I think the true economic data out there today that's slightly negative is private payrolls increased just 67,000 in November. Expectations were for 150,000. That's a pretty big mess. 800-516-1220 800 516 get your calls on the air. Anything that you want to talk about, we can talk about. Money, investing, and more. We can talk about the executives leaving Google and that historic precedent. We all age out at some point, right? And Google stock has done pretty darn well if you were an investor early on. Oh, I feel a little bit like the yo-yo of the China story continues to play out, right? One of the websites that I highly recommend that you visit, if you have kids and you haven't visited a college planning website yet, you should consider it. There's a good website called savingforcollege.com. It's savingforcollege.com. Start early and dutifully contribute to your children's five twenty nine savings plans. Might find it a tall order to fund the full price of college. Um, it's not easy, it, you know. If you haven't started saving for college by the time the kid's six or eight or nine, you're probably not going to have enough saved to say, "Okay, you're going to college for free. It's on, Dad." I didn't pay off all my college debt. I didn't have that much college debt. I I was a student and I was an athlete and I was good. Good enough that I didn't have to, like, you know, I didn't go in massively in debt, you know? So my debts were uh, voluntary. Right now, in-state tuition plus room and board at four-year public institutions, about $22,000. The annual tab grows to $50,000 at private universities. If you're at a prestigious school, you're talking seventy thousand dollars. So do those numbers times four and you're talking eighty thousand to two hundred and eighty thousand and growing every year, right? Something I was thinking about on my drive in today from work or drive into work was children in colleges. And how you don't get a lot of bang for your buck if you just go to figure it out. I was listening to an interview with Hillary Rodham Clinton this morning, and uh, she was a Yale student, and, you know, it was kind of funny to hear the interview was, she had a gruff dad and probably not terribly rich, and to have a daughter go to Yale, it's almost like a meal ticket, it could be, back in the day, so... We'll talk about paying for college, but again, every parent should have a basic idea, and you can set up a, a college saving program called uh, YouPromise, YouPromise.com. It'll link to your debit cards, and it'll throw a little bit of money in. I don't think it's going to solve your problem, but it's a start. SavingForCollege.com is another start so that you can kind of start putting, putting your, your hands around a very big ticket purchase in your life. You can find me online at Rob Black Show, Twitter Rob Black Show, YouTube Rob Black Show. That's savingforcollege.com. And I would say, again, if you have any kid and you're thinking about them going to college, start brushing up a little bit sooner than later. A lot of answers at savingforcollege.com. I'm Rob Black, talking all things financial. Catch Rob Black and Rob Black and Your Money live on the Bay Area Airwaves. Weekday mornings from 7 to 9 on AM 1220 KDOW. And streaming live on the KDOW radio app or KDOW.biz. I don't know what retirement exactly looks like. I have enough money. So it's funny that that's probably the most important you know, factor in can you retire? I don't think I'm going to live to a hundred. I'm just not that guy. I don't sleep well. Um, I'm a little overweight, not massively, but it adds up. I'm assuming, right? So I have enough money to retire, but I also have a tough time spending money. You know, I talked about a couple of apps, and let's talk about you know a new one, not a new one, but let's talk in depth about this one, Robinhood. Robinhood is a free stock trading app and if you haven't noticed, TD Ameritrade and Schwab and every major brokerage has cut fees to zero on transactions of stocks. They want to get you in other ways. They want your cash, they want margin loans, they want credit cards sent to you. There's ways to, to milk you so to speak. Doesn't have to be on the four hundred dollars trade. When I got in the industry, a trade was four hundred dollars. So when I'm coming out of college and working two jobs just to get by and uh, to get my own rent and things like that done, when one of the very first companies that I looked at was called a company called HBOC, and it was a healthcare management company. And that whole industry consolidated heavily with healthcare reform during the Clinton years, and I made a good amount of money on HBO. It's called HBO and Company. I do believe, and it just shows you after 25 years, your mind starts to forget things. I do believe their CEO got into a little bit of trouble after I sold the stock, which was like lucky. There's sometimes when you buy stocks where you get lucky. Whether it be on the upside or on the downside, you should never get smart about it. Um, if a company CEO does something terribly offensive, whether it be an affair or stealing money from the company or dying. I once had a stock. I didn't own it, but it was a stock I was following that day. That um, The news was the CEO had a heart attack on an airplane, and the stock had already fallen before the plane had even landed. Wow. So when I got in the industry, commissions were ridiculous. Some people would use words from the '90s like redonkulous. So when I bought HBO for the first time, I had to save up ten thousand dollars, but I had to save up ten thousand four hundred dollars. The four hundred dollars was the brokerage commission. The ten thousand was the amount of stock that I got in the company. The stock I became an owner in the company, and I treat it like that. I don't go in and fire people. I don't, but I, I try to look at it as: is this a company I want to own? So, Robinhood has really disrupted the stock brokerage commissions world. And I think it's a good thing. I met the founders probably about far, four or five years ago. Four or five years, very, vert, vert, Probably about five years ago. Um, 2000, maybe four years. 2016, early 2016. So, Silicon Valley startup called Robinhood, it's got 10 million accounts. And it's grown rapidly from a million subscribers. Um, to where it is today at 10 million plus. It's got a $7.6 billion valuation, and it's just two guys who so said, Let's make trading free. So that the premise is me and Zachary can go get a pizza today for lunch. And Zachary goes, Rob, I got this idea. I think Apple's getting into the pizza business. I'm like, Oh, Apple's getting into pizza. That's going to be big. And Let's buy stock now. And and before we even settle our tip with a waiter, zing, 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 zing. We just bought 100 shares of Apple or something. It's a little brokerizer for taking action any stock's ever mentioned. But you get the idea, right? Robinhood has, as the app, it's ultimately attained its growth while disrupting the brokerage industry. And even though they have a market cap of... You know, $7 million right now. Do you know the damage they've done to the market cap of TD Ameritrade and Schwab and Fidelity by killing one of the ways that these guys made money? Commissions. Uh, it's been a crazy 20, 25 years on Wall Street, seeing commissions dwindle from 400 bucks down to zero. And for the record, for the four hundred dollars to buy a stock was one of the big barriers to entry, where the wealthy truly had an advantage on you because you saw that you saw that as the average person as sticker shock. I won't pay four hundred dollars for this. I'm paying that straight to the bro. Two hundred went to the broker and two hundred went to his firm. It was in your head, right? Um, so Co-CEOs of Robin and for the record, talking about immigrants who disrupt things whether it be Larry Page and Sergey Moran, the founders of Yahoo, the founders of Robinhood, Baiju Bot, and Vlad Tenev. Something tells me those names aren't exactly Californian-based. And yet, here they are contributing to our society. Right? Right? Immigration's a tricky, tricky, tricky thing. Um... For tech companies, we can't college educate our people fast enough for the tech companies to hire them into high-paying engineering jobs. So our tech companies kind of try to grab talent from all around the world. And then you get into visa immigration issues, which I'm not even going to get in on today's show. But anyway, Robin Robinhood's an okay app. I'm okay with it. Um, And, uh, you know, again, a tip of the hat to the company for disrupting the industry. So another app that I've been talking about in the past, and this segment started with me telling you how cheap I am in retirement. And and I'm not cheap. I just, I haven't gotten used to the concept that I'm wealthy enough to retire. You know, I I still wear sneakers that have holes in them. As Chad Burton, CFP, once said, those are your lawn mowing shoes. (laughs) I'm like, I don't mow my lawn. But it's a funny concept right Um, so that app that I talked about a couple months ago probably at the start of 2019 Acorns I'm okay with that one too it's a great way I don't like it for the retirement account I'm not saying no to the retirement account it's just it hasn't sold me on that where you can automatically save for in a uh, IRA or a SEP IRA it hasn't really sold me on that area the paperwork doesn't feel good to me. One of the reasons I used to recommend TD Ameritrade or Fidelity or Vanguard was they had better paperwork than, say, you know, the, the brokerage company on the on the corner, like a Scott Trade or an LPL Financial. The paperwork I just liked better. But that's one thing about some of these app companies, like Robinhood. Remember that I was talking about how you could do free stock trades on it. I don't recommend trading. I don't even recommend you use the app unless it's your first step in and use it as a stepping stone to learn more. Um, I'm not going to be you know buying and selling stocks on my phone just because I can. Um, but some of these apps are pretty good. Acorns is another one. Um, stupid way to save money. Stupid because it's the KISS formula, right? Keep it simple, stupid. Um, I'm, I'm fine with that. Um, I've... Me, it's so funny because I told you I have enough money to retire. So let's say that's four million plus. Maybe it's eight million plus. Maybe it's fifteen million plus. And here in this year, I've saved just with my Acorns app like thirty eight hundred dollars. I'm like, woo! That's a lot of money. It's not a lot of money to me, but that shows you where I came from, right? What's your relationship with money? Are you a spender or not? I'm definitely a saver. I'm Rob Black, talking all things financial, money, investing, and more. Find me online at Rob Black Show. Want the podcast with music? Find the link to the other version of the podcast by going to Rob Black's Twitter. His handle is at Rob Black Show. Listen to Rob Black and your money weekday mornings, 7 to 9 on AM 1220 KDOW. A generation was expected to fail. We had very low expectations placed upon us, and we took a little bit longer to figure it out, but we did. We're a very sarcastic bunch. Um, I come from a family that I was the fifth boy, so I was very caustic. You know, we had to insult each other and one-up each other to kind of, like, stay tough when you have four older brothers. So, if I ever offend you, I'm sorry. It's the way I was raised. It may not, my sense of humor uh, may not match up with yours. Okay? Humor me. Work with it. I'm trying to get you to retirement any way that I can. Expedia CEO and CFO are resigning. That's not necessarily a good thing. The stock is moving up on it because the stock is underperformed. And Wall Street's looking at it as saying, okay, these guys are holding back something. So we'll, let's see if we can't get some new people in there to kind of spruce things up a bit. Jay Z's music suddenly reappeared on Spotify two years after not being available. And you might remember a couple years ago, there was this big push into something called Tidal. And it's a music streaming service that was has less compressed music, or I don't really know how to explain it other than to say that you know it's another way for art to say, "Ooh, isn't this a great way to listen to it?" It's almost like we need a streaming service that comes to your house and plays vinyl, right uh-huh uh-huh um anyhow, I'm totally digressing. you know who who i'm I've started putting my brain on this one. And I'm going, to, I'm going to do a lot of work on it this weekend, on Alphabet and Google. Google founders, Larry Page and Sergey Brin, have stepped down as heads of Alphabet this week. And if you go back in history, and I'm not going to go into the starting of the company, but they did some interesting twists along the way. So obviously, the first time I Googled someone, it was kind of a hilarious moment. I was doing a shoe called Stock Talk. And there's a woman named Tiffany Schlain who does the Webbies. Now, way back when, she was probably a twenty-five-year-old San Franciscan technology enthusiast who, you know, kind of acknowledged that, you know, the Deb 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 sites or the dot com sites, some of them were really good with Flash and some of them were really bad static brochures. So she put together something called the Webbies. And I was fitfully embarrassed when I'm interviewing her. I'm like, hey, who's who's nominated for the best financial website kind of thing? <laughs> she didn't say, certainly not you. But during the interview, I said, hey, Tiffany, I just Googled. I, I, I said, I just pulled you up. And um, I, I didn't expect the head of the web. He used to be a 25-year-old, young, fresh, happy-looking, you know, San Franciscan. I, I was probably flirting, right? And She said, you just Googled me. I was like, wait, wait, I am at Google, and I didn't realize that Google had an action verb tied towards it, right? So Larry Page and Sergey Brin brought the action verb of Googling someone. But along the way, they developed a concept called Alphabet, which they give a lot of credit to Warren Buffett and the way he has set up his business. Warren Buffett doesn't own Geico by himself. He owns it through his company called Berkshire Hathaway. So, Berkshire Hathaway is a collection of, of other companies, whether it be Geico or um, an insurance, uh, his real estate companies. It's, it's various companies. So, it's kind of a mutual fund of companies. At Alphabet, or Google, before they were Alphabet, Google was making tons of money, but they're kind of a one-trick pony, and Wall Street said, hey, what happens if, if search goes away? Good question. So Google had to start diversifying, and, and since they're making so much cash, they're like, "Let's come up with Alphabet, and we'll put Google inside of it, but we'll also put a company called DeepMind inside of Alphabet, and a company called Waymo inside of, of, of Alphabet." And thus, he had the genesis of where they're taking the company, all because Warren Buffett kind of had this this holding. Uh, Sergey Brin and Larry Page, although would never publicly admit it, they stopped splitting the share of their price because Berkshire Hathaway doesn't split the share of their price. There was a big thing in the 90s when a company would announce a stock split, especially tech companies, Apple and I'm just gonna use Apple hypothetically, and I don't remember the stock price, so don't hold this against me. It would go from like 45 to 90, and then it would kind of slow down because people were like, "Well, I want to get 100 shares, and 90s I can get a lot. I can get 100 shares at 40, a lot easier than I could at 90." People wanted 100 shares, so Apple would split the shares three for one, and you know everyone got diluted. More shares were created, so maybe now you could buy. You know, 90 shares, but you're doing it three for one at $30 a share, this company's still worth the same amount of money. It's just a financial trick. And Google stopped doing financial tricks. And I like that. It's consistency, and it's saying go for the long term. But when you look at Berkshire Hathaway, talking about two different companies between Alphabet and Berkshire Hathaway, Berkshire Hathaway owns things like Geico and Dairy Queen and Seize Candies, which... I don't shop at Sea's Candies because I find it kind of humiliating. I know you're saying, really? I don't like jobs that make their employees dress up in funny costumes. I'm okay with a waiter and waitress being forced to wear black. That, I get it. That's fine. But when you make them wear bows from like the 1910s, I'm like, that's just weird. I feel weird going to that store. But anyway, digressing. Oh, another company that... Uh Berkshire Hathaway doesn't own completely but has a big holding is Coca-Cola. So Alphabet kind of drew some inspiration from that. And uh, if you go back in history Buffett's book there's a uh, If you there's no end-all be-all book on Buffett and what he's done but a lot of people try to copy it. And you know, founder of a company and an owner of a company is pretty darn cool. But now, Larry Page and Sergey Brin are stepping aside, and there was some crazy sex- sexual antics at Google back in the day. And to this day, it's still a company that's kind of a hotbed of talent, where a lot of people are very angry with the direction the company takes, whether it's in supporting the military with their technologies, Um, or their hiring practices, or their treatment of women at their company. So Google's a pretty interesting company to watch as far as a pulse of Silicon Valley. Now, the person who I think loses with Sergey Brin and Larry Page stepping down is Sundar Pichai, CEO of the company of Alphabet. I think he's in a bad situation. He just got the worst job in Silicon Valley because Congress hates Google right now. It would almost be like Mark Zuckerberg quitting Facebook and turning it all over to me and so I'm going to Congress and I'm going yeah sorry about that invasion of privacy thing and then you know the the mighty senator of South Carolina goes something like this Mr. Black you run this company and I just want to say you're evil so the new CEO not the new CEO but he's been the CEO and he's experienced but Larry Page and Sergey Brin they've disappeared Um, some of them sometimes they're not showing up to board meetings Sometimes they're on islands, all-hands meetings with them, all-hands meeting without them. But Pichai now is in charge of in on, you know, what's he going to do with money losing bets to the company? What's he going to do with Congress? Um, he's kind of going to be in the hot seat. He's going to have to convince people of his vision. Because so far, it's been Larry Page and Serge Brennan. Um, Again, remarkable that all three of these people were born on foreign soil and dominate what to do in the U.S. as far as executives go. And I think that's wonderful. So Google's employees are openly revolting over the company's handling of sexual harassment and controversial executives like Miles Taylor. Um, He was the former Department of Homeland Security chief who defended Trump administration's Muslim travel ban. So Google's not the best job in the world right now, but maybe it is. I don't know. Eight hundred five one six twelve twenty to each calls on the air. It's eight hundred five one six twelve twenty to each calls on the air. The big story of the day, in my opinion, is the jobs report. Not a great number. Um, as far as private sector, again, I know you know this, but let's walk through it slowly. There's private sector jobs and there's public sector jobs. And in the end, you want to see the private sector doing really, really well because the public sector comes from our tax money. Um, I would probably, I don't know if I even want to say this out loud, I'd probably consider myself a libertarian on some levels because I, I think our government's too fat and I don't think it does a great job. I grew up part of my educational years were in Washington DC. And I can tell you, I just don't think the government is, I don't think they hire the best people sometimes. And I, I think there's big budgets and I, I think some of them get misappropriated. And I think there's a lot of job security. So to me, private sector jobs are a better litmus test of the health of our economy. Because in the private sector, if you don't do a good job, you get fired. In a government job, sometimes you don't get fired. It's very much so like a union at times. It overly protects their employees. 800 516 1220 to each calls on the air. Anything you want to talk about, we could talk about. GoPro's bouncing around that $5 level. I'm not interested. What's your area where you're just not interested? For me, stocks under $5 don't interest me. I tend to think that they're there for for a reason. Wow, yesterday I talked about luck in coffee. Today it's down 6%. That's bad luck. I don't own it, but I'm interested. So maybe that's a good opportunity. See how these work. I'm Rob Black, talking all things financial. Find me online at Rob Black Show, Twitter, Rob Black Show, YouTube, Rob Black Show. Don't forget, there's another hour of today's show to listen to. Find it now at kdow.biz or on the KDOW radio app. I talking with CFP, Chad Burton, yesterday about the economy, about the presidency, about the 2020 elections. I find Chad to be very insightful in trends of financial planning. And I find him to be very good at explaining financial planning issues that are complicated. It's bringing the king. Now, certified financial planner, Chad Burton. Let's welcome in CFP, Chad Burton, New Focus Financial. You can find him online at newfocusfinancial.com. He's a financial planner. World of investing can be complicated. Bonds, bond funds, corporate bonds, junk bonds, convertible bonds. It's pretty intimidating stuff. Chad, what do we need to know about funds of bonds?
1: Um, Well, I think the first thing you need to know is that my preferred tactic when it comes to bonds when interest rates are steady or going down is to be able to ladder a bond portfolio where you actually can buy individual bonds, especially in retirement. And that way you take, you know, if you have thirty to fifty percent of your portfolio going into bonds, you would take maybe a you know ladder it out and buy bonds that mature in five years, ten years, fifteen years. And so that every every five years you have a kind of a tranche of money coming to you that you either use to replenish your safe money or go out long and get a higher rate of return. That's not where we are in this economic cycle. We are extremely low interest rates, historically low rates. Um, so, and, and bonds are kind of cycling. In other words, a bond might have the highest value prior to um, you know, being held to maturity. Some of them end up trading at a premium. It's a good time to sell them. So some of the bond managers, some of the no-load and institutional bond funds are a better place to be right now because it is, I think, a much more confusing and tough place to be than the overall stock market. Mm-hmm. I agree with that. I, I and I think most people in the financial industry agree that bond traders, really good bond traders, tend to be a bit smarter than really good stock traders. I think that's, um, I think that's true because I always call the bond market smart, whereas the stock market's kind of reactionary. Yeah, um, and, and there's just different things that occur in the bond market that you have to keep an eye on versus just hey, let's analyze the company or the revenues growing or the profits growing, things like that. So anyway, so there's there's you know bonds that are out there. There's basic bond funds. There's there's US government bond funds, there's Ginny Mays, which are mortgages, there's corporate bond funds, there's high-yield bond funds, which we all have to remember, those are called junk bonds, really, that's what they used to be called, where they're companies that don't have that great a credit, but now they're just called high-yield bond funds, so everybody's flocking to them because they pay higher rates of return. Well, I remember back in the early '90s when junk bond funds were paying you know eight nine ten eleven twelve percent, and now they're kind of at the five percent range. So I think a lot of investors are investing in that area, not realizing some of the risk. Uh, also, a lot of the high yield or junk bond funds have changed their perspectives to allow them to buy ten to twenty percent of the portfolio in stocks. So there's now stocks hiding in some of those bond funds, and a lot of investors don't even know the risk that's inside their portfolio. Um, you know, we have that. What is your risk number mm-hmm. in you yeah at our website, newfocusfinancial.com. And and that's kind of a way to start the process of what is your true risk number, what is your risk tolerance when it comes to dollar values, and being able to perceive what 10% down versus 10% up really looks like based on your portfolio value. And then we can actually compare it to your existing portfolio. Um, The kind of bonds that I like now are what's called unconstrained bond funds because the bond market is all over the place. Because of geopolitical events, because of currency events, uh, because of mortgage supply and demand, And there's different things. Um, We've even seen short periods of time where, even though there's no inflation right now, where Treasury inflation-protected bonds sold off too much and created a value. So we're using some unconstrained bond funds where the manager not only has the ability to kind of go anywhere and find some good deals, but they also have the ability to hedge against interest rates movements. Um, And those tend to not be great for long-term holds, studies have shown. But for periods of kind of sideways moving or increasing interest rates, they can be good. So I look at them as maybe three- to five-year holds, for example. I have some of my bond position in global bond funds where they're uh, buying sovereign debt of different nations, and the manager has the ability to decide whether or not they want to hedge against that nation's currency. For example, um, recently, um, you know, for dating this, recently we were talking about with one of the global bond managers that they think the peso is undervalued, for example. So they're buying some of the... uh, Uh, Bonds from you know, in in Latin America, I guess you could say, but uh, also buying the currency there, which is, but in other nations, they don't like the currency because the dollar's going up. So uh, you see what I'm saying, Rob, when it comes to bonds, there's some values around the world, but then you got currency and political risk. So the bond traders have to be a little bit smarter. They're almost like alternative funds. There's also some, you know, global alternative bond funds. If you look at the bond market, when we had our debt crisis and kind of what the bond market did with, QE, you know, one, two operation twist, or we had quantitative easing operation twists, and basically QE one through what, four? One okay. through infinity, maybe. And there was a lot of opportunities that were created in different mortgage mark, bond markets, high-yield markets, and things like that. And there's some pretty good global alternative bond funds out there as well that are looking at emerging markets in Europe and based on the ECB's quantitative easing approach and saying, we're seeing the same opportunities as we saw in the US, so let's go there. Um, so I think that's kind of where we're sitting in the next three to five years. Hopefully one day we get back to the point where I'm telling people to ladder their bond portfolio and, and buy individual bonds, but I don't think that's where we are right now, Rob. Sounds good. That's everything you need to know about bonds and
0: bond funds at CFP. Chad Burton, New Focus Financial. You can find him at newfocusfinancial.com. You can find me at roblackshow.com. It's going to be an interesting couple years for CEO of Alphabet, Sundar Pushai, because he's going to have to start focusing on some of the things that Google's done well. He'll get a lot of credit for but some of the things he, that they haven't done well, oddly enough, Sergey Brand and Larry Page won't have to deal with some of their losing bets. What will Google do with Nest? What will they do with YouTube? What will they do with Chrome, with Waymo, with some of their other investments as well? He's going to be criticized quite a bit. Tough job. I'm Rob Black, talking all things financial, money, investing, and more. Seminars are always coming up right around the corner. There's one coming up soon. You can learn more by going to robblackshow.com and use the code radio25 to get in for free. Check out some great downloadables on financial issues at newfocusfinancial.com.